This is I Like People, episode 6. It is still May 24th, 2018, only a little later. Now we'll speak with Sonny. In the previous two episodes, we have been at the Black Bear Ranch Commune in Northern California. I'm still here. I'm your host, Maxime, and I like people, which is why I ask them seven questions to save humanity. Maybe I can learn to share the elements of humanity that I can discover by interviewing members of the human race and seeing if we can't devise a way of keeping humanity on the planet. Music is a great expression of humanity, and I will definitely be talking about music in every episode. Now, on to our interview. To my love, took it down. I climbed a mountain and I turned around, and I saw my reflection in the snow-covered hills to the landslide brought me down. Hi. Hi. Can I ask you seven questions to save humanity? Yes. <laughs> okay. Not including that question. I wish you would. Okay, so that's eight altogether. I uh, can do it. Thanks for ke- account keeping, keeping <laughs> keep me, me honest. <laughs> uh, what's yeah. your name? I go by Sunny. My name is Payson Adams. Are you human? Mostly, most days. Yeah. Interesting. What do you What do you think it means when you're not human or when you are? When I'm not human, it means that um, I am not living with compassion, and I'm unable to do that because of the sickness in my brain, (laughs) and so I shouldn't be allowed to be around people. What kind of sickness do you... Have you classified yourself with? I think it is a sickness born of uh, maltreatment as a, as a young person. It was born of environment by and large, but we often call it bipolar disorder. But I don't even like copying to that necessarily. It's just I'm very ultra sensitive to various frequencies. And so I have to take various precautions and... I become influenced by various situations that other people can kind of flow through and I get hung up. I've never seen you act violent. I mean, I've known you, you know, for <laughs> five or six months now. Would you say that No. you become... I'm... How do you become unhealthy around others? As I say, I can't work with compassion anymore it gets to a point where I can't hear people really like I have no ability I'm so consumed by my trying to keep above water that I can't I can't feel for other people when they say things I don't care okay okay so is it like a compassion fatigue Compassion fatigue, yeah. It's an extreme compassion fatigue. Is that related to psychopathy, or do you feel like it, like it's a temporary psychopathy, that's why they call it bipolar, or do you think it's more just something like, everyone has this? Or, or do you think it's a special I think case? everyone has it, actually, to larger, to more and lesser degrees, and people realize it more and less. I think it's where... If you don't don't realize it and you let it go, it veers off into psychopathology and sociopathology and becomes more violent or can become more violent if somebody can't control it. And sometimes I think people can't. They have streaks of it that, wow, I haven't really thought about this this much in a long time, but they have streaks of it that don't allow them to control it. They can want to, but sometimes it becomes attached even to like a sexual uh, pleasure zone almost. If 
you know, that sort of pleasure is gotten from maltreating other human beings to lesser and greater degrees, ranging from just indifference to murder. And what does it look like when you get um, this fatigue? I just feel sad for people. Like, I... uh, I think that's funny. I didn't really think about that before I said it. Because I've never seen you actually flip out. No, I've had years of practice at living with this, for one thing, and I have a strong desire not to flip out, so I've spent a lot of time and energy gathering skills and... um, You know, before I flip out, I try and take myself out of the game. And yet, I don't really flip out. I mean, the last time I flipped out, my Aunt Dot has this story of me. One day, we were going to Las Cruces to see a play. And she was driving, and I was in the passenger seat. And the highway was under construction. And it became unclear as to which way to go to get where we were going. And Dot became thoroughly confused and... Payson saw clearly the way it was supposed to go and just freaked out and was like, pull the fucking car over right now. And I started pulling apart. I had this blue straw purse and I just started ripping it to shreds. Dot pulled the car over to the side of the highway. She said, you're driving. Okay, fine. And we cleaned up the purse and it's just become this watermark ever since because she's even seen me when I've taken myself into the hospital because a couple of times I've gone to the hospital like I haven't been able to eat or sleep for a month or more and I've decided that I'm just not well anymore and so I've gone into reset medications and to try and gain some stability you know eat three square meals a day and get some rest and she always says that I'm the happiest mental patient she's ever known. <laughs> <laughs> she likes coming to visit me in the hospital. It's no big deal. So I have so many questions from this. I hope you don't mind. These are, these are all categorized as sub-questions under the are you human question. Okay, okay sure thing. <laughs> I can deal. Um, this is helping me realize what's going on with me. So when you said that story, you referred to yourself as Payson. Do you have a way of kind of distinguishing your personalities or were you just being narrative or at that time I wasn't sunny at all I I mean not in description or no I, I was sunny I was definitely gainfully employed and all kinds of other good things but the name sunny hadn't really come about yet so I think of myself in that instance as Payson um it's funny it's kind of the communal movement in which I think of myself as Sunny. Oh, yeah. Yeah, and, uh, well, in Silver City, New Mexico, I got the nickname, I forget exactly how, but it propagated on Facebook, and I became, you know, Sunny Girl, and that's who I was for a number of years until I stopped being on Facebook for, you know, I just kind of... My whole chemistry changed, I guess, and now I just don't even look at Facebook anymore at all. And the guy who primarily started sort of the sunny girl phase of things, he's moved to California and kind of gone off Facebook, and we don't socialize together anymore, and our whole group is dispersed. So when I decided to go to Twin Oaks, I thought, you know, I want to differentiate myself from the person who I've been being lately. I don't want to be this person who sits around all day and reads and is mad at her boyfriend. I want to be a different person than that when I go and have this commune experience. So I dredged up Sunny again. Would you like to tell listeners who don't know what Twin Oaks is, what your recap of what is Twin Oaks community? Twin Oaks Intentional Community in Virginia It is uh, the granddaddy of all intentional communities, which means that people have come together to live intentionally, meaning they think about everything they do from where they poo to the food they eat to how they interact with each other and try and live in harmony and with a small carbon footprint 
Um, I went there for the social element of things more than anything and to see whether I was capable of working anymore and met, I guess it's three guys I met, but it became the four of us. So, uh, yeah, the three-week intensive visitor experience. <laughs> it was, um, it changed me in a lot of ways that I didn't expect. Sorry to interrupt. That's fine. Redirect, redirect. Uh, going back to the, the hospitalization, that's still an aspect of your life, you feel? Actually, just two days ago, or was it three, I don't remember exactly, but when we were, Laura and I were in the grocery store, I said to her, I seriously feel like I should say to you guys, take me to the nearest hospital and pick me up when you're finished at the next community. Um, yeah. Uh, it's a possibility at all given junctures for me. And what? how does it um, help you? Do they basically just give you a safe space to calm down? Yeah, that's basically it. And people to talk to who are aware of my situation and know what bipolar means. And it gets me back on track of knowing that, you know, I might feel crazy, but I'm not. And... Uh, and just the regularity of, you know, yeah, a safe place, food, meds, a bed. Um, one of the reasons I didn't go to the hospital is that in recent months I've really realized that the hospital isn't even that safe a place, and it takes away a lot of my freedoms, primarily the fact that, like, I like to smoke, and the crazier I feel, the more I need my cigarettes. And going into a hospital, you can't smoke anymore. It's just plain not allowed. They don't let you out to do that in any, in any way, shape, or form. So, you know, I think about, well, do I really want to give up my freedoms to eat the way I want to eat and smoke what I want to smoke when I want to smoke it? Um, no, not really. You know, the hospital doesn't offer anything I can't give myself, pretty much. And also... You know, working and living in community hopefully will give me that safe place that a hospital has been in the past, needing to get away from the hubbub of mainstream life and people who I can't just say, hey, I'm feeling a little very bipolar today, you know, <laughs> like, yeah. It sounds like overall you're pretty sensitive to vibrations, as you said, which means that you're just, in general, a sensitive person. Yes. It's possible that that's the cause of it all, because it sounds like a sensitive person who's abused or mistreated, um, it can it could cause a lifetime of trying to heal from that. And that's what it is. When I was three, my uncle digitally violated me he was on drugs and staying at our house and my mom left my brother and I with him for a couple of hours to go out and have an affair she said she was going to get cigarettes I was three years old I came to remember this through regressive therapy I see and for like two years after that I stopped liking baths I never wanted to eat anymore I didn't like to be touched and my parents just didn't pick up on it they didn't realize that anything had gone wrong then when I was 14 I was raped by the captain of the football team who was like our neighborhood dude and he had been a friend of mine for years, and um, and he just, yeah, like, had his way with me one summer afternoon. And I called my dad and told him what had just happened. My dad came and picked me up, and he denied that it had ever happened. He told me that we were not going to the police, that I was just going to get my act together. I wasn't going to be the girl who had been raped by Scott Pressler because that's all that would happen if I told anybody about this, and we were just going to keep it between ourselves, and that was the end of the story. It, it, um, do you feel safe uh, naming him? Absolutely. He's dead now, for one thing. Okay. And I, I would like to out him at every possible corner. <laughs> yes. I, I and I hope people recognize his name and equate him with the Joe Blow they think he is, the... The hero of Wilton High School, he, uh, he was on steroids, and he misbehaved crucially, 
And, uh, you know, I wasn't the only woman he did this to. Come to find out, after I spoke out about it years and years later on Facebook, I sort of started a little campaign to see if... Cause there was this one friend of his who was kind of keeping Scott's light alive on Facebook and celebrating like the, his birthday and the days of his death and things like that and keeping Scott Pressler alive. And I wrote to George and said, you might not know this, but, you know, Scott isn't the totally all-around wonderful guy that you think he is. I knew him really well and loved him dearly, and yet he did this really violent, violating thing to me. And I think you need to know that there was an element to him at one point in his life that was very violent, and he really controlled and manipulated other girls who he was involved with. And I don't know whether he raped them or not, but I'd like to find out. And so I started a little kind of underground campaign and come to find out there were three other women who he had, against their will and without their consent, taken to bed, for lack of a better term. So I say it was a lot the steroids, but my parents denied my feelings. And so this is what my friend Stephanie, who is very, very intuitive and very intelligent when it comes to especially me. She knows me so well. We lived and slept and worked and were together for six years, and we met each other in a domestic violence shelter, so we were wearing our worst clothes to start with, you know, and uh, very close to the surface. Everything was nip and tuck. She says that I was formed by those two experiences, basically. My parents denying me the right to feel what I felt and have recourse against larger persons who violated me. It sounds to me like you had three extremely formative traumas. Your inner child is traumatized at the age of three. Mm-hmm. So, so that is a resource that is difficult for you to sometimes probably access. And then again at 13 in puberty era yeah. which is often when many girls are raped yeah. or violated yeah. um, and then on top of that uh, your trusted authority your trusted guardians denying you your humanity so in a way when you say you know or when I ask are you human you know you're like part of me isn't part of me is is not has it's gone not to accident. somewhere else so that I can't because it's too hard for those um, elements of me to yeah. live in my body. I think we got to something there, Max. Yeah. I'm so sorry that that happened to you. Well. Yeah. I, it is what it is. At this point, I don't know how I feel about my life enough to say something cheerful and upbeat like my ordinary thing would be, well, it's gotten us here, <laughs> you know, and so everything adds up to your experience. I don't know. Right now, I am <clears throat> very much pondering my existence and, you know, where I want to be. The communal experience for me is adding up to being a lot of uh, chatter, a lot of chaotic stuff, mm. a lot of just old and moldy, and I'm kind of thinking that like I'm reactionary. The reactionary part of me is like, I want a sunny, clean, little tiny house that's big enough for me to put up my easels to paint and have me TV and get my little dog back in my world and just have my life and Dot and I get together every now and then and get stoned and go out for dinner every now and then and we talk on the phone like we always have even like when we live four doors down from each other we barely saw each other we talked on the phone every night like yeah. for two hours but we never hardly saw each other and then so like even though I've moved all over the country since Dot and I have become friends in the year 2000 we talk on the phone all the time, so it hasn't really mattered where I lived. We stayed tight and bestest buddies for you know the last 18 years because of that. 
What what kind of doggy did you have? A Yorkshire Terrier. None other will do. <laughs> it must be a Yorkie. <laughs> well, that sounds like a good life to me. I'm kind of thinking that me and my disability will get along just fine. I mean, I'm really enjoying my time on this trip, and being here at Black Bear Ranch is a throwback trip for me. But it's not making me feel like... Wow, I'm so missing something in my life. I need this. Perhaps you already healed in the way the community can heal you, and yeah. now it feels redundant. That could well be. Uh, but maybe be. it's just this community. What, how, how do you feel about... Would you want to describe... I should explain that Sonny, George, Laura, and myself met at Twin Oaks community last September, and we decided to travel to different communities in search of home, um, or at least investigate what home could mean for us in community. Uh, whether that's together or separate, uh, you know, ideally together, and uh, live differently from the rat race lifestyle, basically. Mm-hmm. Yep, I agree with that. So, it's been going differently for each of us. We're now at the end of the two-month journey. For Sunny, it's been about a month, or it will have been about a month. And then we go back to our respective headquarters. Uh, I'll be going back to Minnesota, and Sunny, Sunny goes back to New Mexico. And then, yeah, I guess we'll just kind of ponder our experience and see if it helps us figure out what we're supposed to be doing. Right, and so far we've been to Wind Spirit, which felt to me like a place that I could probably live, but I'm not real sure that it would be giving me anything but distraction. I mean, I've been a serious painter in the past, and I'd really like to pick back up with that. I don't feel any compulsion at all right now to pick up the paints on the porch for some reason, but... I do see myself in the future with a canvas on a on an easel and my dog by my feet again and me painting the landscape in, in New Mexico. I can see that now. I can almost visualize that. Can you see it's it? such a warm, cozy feeling. Yeah. I feel it too. I really do feel it. it sounds like a really nice way yeah, to spend time. Well, yeah. So let's move on to the third question. Okay. If that's all right? Sure. How would you describe yourself? Oh, my goodness. Okay, wow. Uh. <laughs> Compassion is definitely the most important thing, really, for me. I think I've discovered that about me and where I need to live. I need to be surrounded by people who get me and who I understand and know have my best interest at heart and that I respect and have their best interests in mind. Um, me, revolutionary, fractured, completely competent, incapable of anything. I'm so many different things It's and so many contradictory things right now, it's not even funny. I feel like I've come to a standstill in my life. I mean, me, I've become almost nothing in a way. I've, like, the last two years in relation to Barry, I've become... I've done nothing of me, and I've become very thin in terms of me. Who I am is a person who smokes pot and watches me TV and hates her boyfriend. In Florida. In Florida. That's what my life was for quite a while. But that's not all of me. <laughs> I think, yeah. I mean, that's that's a fair description of where you are right now. I, I won't press that further. <laughs> okay. Uh, the fourth question is, this almost seems like a non sequitur after such an interesting <laughs> discussion, but... Uh, what is the best way for humans to care for the Earth? Well, frankly, I have to wade into a very unpopular point of view. 
is that, and I don't mean to be doom and gloom, but I'm afraid that it's all over, Baby Blue. <laughs> I don't know that there's any coming back from the brink of where we are. You know, I'd like to say live lightly with a small carbon footprint. And, you know, I worked radically hard for a long time to try to get factories to reduce their emissions and became completely disillusioned with our politics and our consumerist society and ended up at places like Black Bear Ranch after doing business with people like Mike Dukakis in Boston and the whole crew there of trying to get toxic waste dumps cleaned up because children were growing tails. I mean, I've worked really hard for a really long time in the environmental movement and I'm really burnt out on the whole thing at this point. And I really don't know. I mean, looking at some of the Asiatic cities and such and the way that rivers are burning and our sea is going just anaerobic, I don't know if there's any coming back at this point. So in a way, I feel like a Republican, a dirty, low-down fucking Republican, just saying, live however you want to live and... You know, I can't go so far as to say rape Mother Earth of her oil and minerals. I still just can't. I can't do it. So, you know, I still obviously do have some compassion for the Earth and want it to all be good and that if we live lightly and cleanly and keep working for the EPA. But, you know, Trump is just completely trounced so many decades of work in less than one year's worth of time it's downright scary and disheartening so what does that mean uh, what is he what has he done because bringing I, back coal mining wow. and getting rid of a lot of the forest restrictions and closing down national parks i mean it's insane you know just the things he's done he's rivers are getting toxified again because factories are dumping into the rivers again that we've worked to be cleaning up the last 30 years and actually gotten somewhere. No, it's just we're reversing all these great strides, and it's a mess, again, within less than a year. So if this is a a hospice care for Earth, Mm -hmm. we say, well, at least let's not rape the dear mother while she's dying while in bed. she's dying yeah although me right now i have this my newly called i've dubbed it to myself my princess position where i guess it would follow the princess papers to say take all of the coal and oil you want to stay comfortable traveling and warm in your homes and all of that because there's this piece of me right now that that's all I want is comfort. Mm. Great answer. Thank you for that. What does community mean to you? That's the next question. Oh, the community question. (laughs) Well, I think the community means to me where people are living with the greater good in mind is basically my answer and where more than one person comes to well you can live in community with yourself but i don't dig that i don't really buy that completely i don't think it's a full answer i think one needs to be in community to learn about oneself and that's part of the whole reason why you go to community is to learn to deal with yourself and you have to have other triggers around you to learn otherwise you're living in a vacuum and you'll never learn much about yourself you'll surround yourself by yes people and people who never trip your trigger so you'll never learn your weaknesses and you'll never strengthen them so you know community is a great way to learn where your vulnerable points are community yeah the greater good working in harmony just striving to be better and better Awesome. Thank you. That's a great answer, too. Oh, you're on a roll. (laughs) So, there's just a couple more. Uh, Maybe this one doesn't apply. But you could... I'm I'm trying to see if this question is of any value. But I I I think it helps explain human passions, basically. 
And the question goes something like, what projects or collaborations are you presently most excited about? Hmm, collaborating with myself, honestly. Um, I'm really not involved. For like one of the first times in my life, I'm not involved in almost anything other than the group I'm traveling with, which I'm, you know, pretty excited about. So yeah, I guess that would probably be the primary thing. I'm excited about this collaboration. But I've been a big collaboration person in my life, and right now... The Barry situation, the Florida living whole thing, has really stripped me. I've stripped myself. I just lived in such a way that I wasn't getting involved with myself or anybody. So I'm really excited to re-know myself and to get in collaboration with myself again in seriousness. Get out my paints, get some canvases, and start painting because it's through the paint that I learn about myself in a lot of ways. Not, not you know, the painting itself teaches me a lot about where I'm at, but the paintings, actually, the way they come out, I'm always mystified as to the things I see in the paintings. They're like, where did that come from? I didn't know I was thinking about that. It's, you know, pretty mystical. That's so lovely. I'm That's really lovely. excited to collaborate with myself and my higher powers and see what's going on for me. The last question is, mm. how can we all realize more human happiness together? Compassion, once again. <laughs> Just having tolerance and compassion and a sense of humor for crying out loud. <laughs> no, really, seriously, I think the world has left a lot of sense of humor behind. Serendipity, whimsicality. I mean, just we've we've lost a lot of just fun i think that's what i'm really looking for is just to have some fun with some like-minded people and i'm finding that along the way here but yeah i mean i think we can all get along better if we just take ourselves a lot less seriously than we tend to i'm getting from your your response that does humor these days seem as though it's being used as a political tool more than just uh, oh, in the media? In the media, for well, the media, sure. Yes. Everything is a snarky comedian these days making fun of, like, life as it is. Absolutely. But... So what's the missing humor element in our lives? Well, I think people just take themselves too fucking seriously most of the time, <laughs> to tell you the goddamn truth. I mean, that's bottom line as far as the way I go through life a lot of the time I'm thinking to myself lighten up it's not that big a deal you know to people about a myriad of things throughout the day yeah just just everything in a lot of ways so and I think that there's a lot of magic and and self-learning to be found in lightening up about one's serious role on this earth you know yeah <laughs> just chill out Thank you for that. Thank you for answering my questions. There is one other element of the program. I, it's not a bait and switch, I promise. So <laughs> just tell me if you don't want to do this. Uh, but I'm trying to figure out why I've gotten great answers for the seven questions, and yet I still feel like we haven't really met the people that I'm talking with. And I was going to try to review songs with people, and that seems to have worked with at least one great interview in episode four. Um, but I guess I'm wondering if there's a way I can ask people to express some very interesting thing that people should, should know about the interview subject. I'm not sure how to ask. I've been asking things like tell a story of survival or, uh, or, what is the what is your way of living of of expressing the art of living or something like that because then you know the microphone turns off and i have a most excellent enlightening conversation <laughs> that doesn't get captured which is fine oh i see yeah do you have any advice for for me for how to well it is funny cuz i kind of feel as though i've revealed my deepest self on this 
tape and yet haven't really introduced myself in a way. I yeah. kind of understand what you're saying. You know meaning. what I'm saying? I do. This it's like, certain juice is like not been put into it somehow. What is that juice? I I don't know because you've asked questions back and forth. There's been a you know a, a give and a take. It hasn't been all sterile or anything like that. Um, maybe it's that we're talking about things that are too deep. Yeah, maybe we just go right to the core. But I don't know how to be any other way to tell you the truth. There's yeah. nothing nothing interests me these days unless it's like <laughs> core value deep. Okay, you know. Okay. I'm like, blah, blah, blah. So I cooked beans with artichoke hearts, you know? Right. So blah, blah, blah. We traveled here. I don't know. I think it's depression, but I have a hard time being interested in a lot of the world these days. I think I've just seen too much. I've just got total, like, burnout in some ways. I mean, I'm still entranced in a certain way. I'm looking to be entranced and intrigued like a kid again but a lot of the time i'm like you know it doesn't really matter whether i lie up there in the loft and read and drink water all day or i'm down here hobnobbing with the people okay it doesn't make a difference to me i'd rather be alone reading because it's quieter and it's less stimulating yeah and somehow I want that. I love knowing that people are over here yeah. doing all the chat, chat, chatting. Yeah. And I hear the drifts of the music now and then. And I don't know what we're talking about right now. And I know it's probably still recording, but... Um, <laughs> Keep going. Yeah. I mean, for me, it's like, I, I, I don't know. I mean, between you, me, and the microphone... Which is the world. Which is the world, and I don't guess I don't really care. Maybe somebody will have an answer for me about why I feel so... Just like, I've got it as far as the way life goes, and I'm not that entranced by it anymore. Mm-hmm. Like, a friend of mine died the other day. Did you even know that? No. Who? Right, did I even mention it? No. Right. He's this guy, he's had ALS for the last couple of years, but he's a friend of Barry and mine, and he was we were pretty close to him, and I was pretty involved in his whole ALS trip, I guess. But he died, and I didn't even mention it to you. I mean, it just didn't even, like, Barry texted it to me, and it just didn't even scratch the surface. I'm like, oh, Don died. You know? Oh. Huh. That happened to me when I was living in Laura's apartment in San Francisco recently. Yeah? And a family friend, a very close family friend, died uh, over in Europe. And it was a it was a battle with leukemia that he lost, um, and I just briefly expressed to them, you know, that this meaningful thing happened in my life, and then we kind of had a moment of sorry about that, and Laura was just going through an intense uh, loss with her friend oh. as well, which is where all that strata of like crystals and things had come from okay that are just floating around the apartment right now yeah so we are in in our experience of this community experiment (laughs) we're also like in a weird bubble mobile we are that's like cutting us off from uh the community that has naturally formed out of our chaos earlier (laughs) before we've done so-called intentional community right? (laughs) right And, and but I, I did manage to do the most I could do anyway, which is send off an email, which is, uh, um, and, and a very heartfelt email, which I was thanked for. Uh, but nevertheless, it was. It's just interesting that life continues as life we, continues. Life yeah, kind of, and I just feel like that, like, like life is just one long continuum, and. You know, in fact, I have to say that I mean, part of me is like lucky dog. He got to die. Hmm. Like, there's a part of me that feels like that, and yet I don't feel really, per, per, like, suicidal per se, Good. but I feel like I've seen just, I've seen what the world has to offer, and it's cold, uncomfortable, exhausting. <laughs> oh no, I'm so sorry. <laughs> Sometimes I really feel like that. Yeah. Like, I just want to be someplace warm, ungrading. Um, predictable, comfortable, um, convenient, 
I'm like going for all these things that I used to not give a damn about at all. Well, I'm excited to see your painting, Sonny. <laughs> I really you am. You will. I really am. You will. I guess the thing is, here's something that we could do now in okay. each in each successive episode. The guest, you, the person I'm interested in, can ask the next person a question. Oh. You don't know them. Yeah. But you're asking them, why do I feel disinterested in this world right now? Let's and we do can it. see what the next person has to say, and then they have to a- ask the a question of the next person and a so on. A leapfrog. Yeah. I like it. Not exactly yeah. a chain letter, but uh, maybe that's a form of community, continuing a dialogue of some kind in, in this podcast. Mm-hmm. Let's do it. Oh, great. Great. Well, Make a new file. Let's write down that question. All right. Let's Why do I down. feel so disinterested in the world right now? Help me. <laughs> <laughs> I hate this feeling. I want to feel like the world is just bursting at the seams with interesting people and and neato things to do. And I'm never cold. And I'm always like, yeah. <laughs> Desert living, desert living, right? Yeah. Sounds like the more you talk about it, the more you're like, yeah, just the desert. Why would we deal with harsh winters anymore? Why? And I haven't for the, for the last three years on purpose. I mean, I left a really good scene in Colorado. I broke my life. I was in mourning for a year after I left, but I just couldn't take the cold. Mm. It was so bloody cold i couldn't handle it so i moved to florida and felt like yeah i was in mourning i was like i broke my life i had good friends in colorado i went to this like i was involved in this gym program where every monday wednesday and friday we worked out and then tuesday and thursday was water aerobics and on the weekends we'd get together all these ladies and i would get together and we'd do hikes in the mountains and go for jeep rides and just did all kinds of cool stuff you know i was really engaged and busy and i was painting even so i wasn't too involved you know i still had time for myself i was even well you know one of the things that burnt me out was when brian died like three years ago now valentine's day who's brian he's like this love of my life dude and uh he was a sickness. <laughs> it was not one of those kinds of loves. Yeah, it was not a well, well thing at all. And so, yeah, he kept me kind of like manic all the time, sort of. I suppose you could say. I'm thinking during that time, yeah, I was still involved with him, long distance. I wonder if that had anything to do why I, with why I was still percolating. And then since he's died, I've just not really cared about anything much. I hadn't really thought about it since he's died like that. Maybe I'm still in mourning. Maybe so. Do you feel that community is something that can get us through the bad weather? And do you think that Mm -hmm. the bad weather overwhelmed or trumped the community or something because the reason i ask is because i feel like i didn't exactly break my community but when i left minneapolis um where the majority of friends and family are mm-hmm. and a, a, ne- a really nice network of people um it was because i didn't want to work with five months of gray anymore right it was taking a toll on my physical my physical body I was getting physiologically depressed from the gray. Yeah, understandable. And and when I was in the heart of a community I loved, it wasn't good enough. Mm -hmm. That's when I realized, you know what, community can't get me through this. Ah, because I have this magical dream, of course, that community will get you through this. Yes, me too. But it doesn't necessarily... I, I wonder about that. Is it is it that nomadic people have this need? Spoiled Americans? Um, mm-hmm. What is it exactly that makes us say, you know what, this isn't worth it? 
even though it is worth it, but I believe that I can I re- can do rebuild better somewhere. I've done it all my life. Since I was like 11 years old, I've been doing this, thinking that I could do better somewhere else. And I think that actually one of my sorrows as an adult at this point is that I haven't stayed one place long enough to really build community. Mm. Even Silver City, I was there for 20 years, but I went through various incarnations like there. And so I didn't have one continuous group of friends. In fact, yeah, so I really don't have a lot of resources even there. Even though I spent a good amount of time there, at this point, it's like I just don't know that many people. When I live there and I start to run into people again, it'll build back up again pretty quickly, I think. But I haven't like kept in touch with a lot of people there. I've always thought that I could rebuild it better somewhere around the corner or down the line or up the hill or... You know, the community would outweigh all of the positive factors of living in the outside world and make it all worth it being out of touch with everything that mattered to me other than milking goats and planting garlic, you know. <laughs> Which you're, sounds like you're done with. I think maybe I'm done with that. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, I'm thinking, yeah, I may be. Well, they're not really doing it here anymore. I mean, they're milking goats, yeah, but, I mean, we wouldn't have been sitting around 20 years ago when we visited. We'd be out in the fields planting garlic by the bushel right now. Yeah, I've been organizing, I've been uh, weeding the strawberries, which feels a little like what, I, what I've expected and wanted to do, mm-hmm. um, watering, and uh, investigating why things are breaking down a little bit actually (laughs) yeah Um, what have you discovered well there's a pipe that is not sending water where it should to go in a pond Ah. which uh native american people came and said this pond probably shouldn't even really be here for whatever reason um this this human-made pond uh, Black Bear right now feels like one big um, uh, nonviolent mystery novel. <laughs> yeah. It's just like a weird, interesting relic, uh, which people are still occupying. And I suppose it does feel that way at times over the course of its history, too. But anyway. Uh, it does feel like a relic. It's got that feel to it for sure. Well, thank you so much, Sunny. It's been a wonderful, wonderful interview. Thank you. And I'll definitely be asking uh, the question that you that you asked. Yeah. Is there anything else that I could do to make the podcast infuse the podcast with more humanity? I'll think about that. I can't think of anything right off the top of my head. But okay. Well, thank if you. If I come up with anything, I'll let you know. Thank you so much. <laughs> thank you, Max. <laughs> Bye. Click bye. (laughs) (laughs) I took my love, took it down. I climbed a mountain and I turned around. And I saw my reflection in the snow. Covered hills till the landslide brought me down. Oh, mirror in the sky, what is love? Can the child within my heart rise above? Can I sail through the changing ocean tides? Can I handle the seasons? Yeah.
So that was Landslide by Fleetwood Mac. This particular version, I'm not sure if there's many versions, was from this four-disc edition called The Chain, celebration of 25 years of Fleetwood Mac. So that's kind of my introduction to Fleetwood Mac. You know, I didn't really grow up in the era of rumors and Tusk and all that <laughs> stuff. I did. And... And it still has the power to move me now, for sure. A lot of memories are attached to rumors, for sure. That album was very formative. It was a very powerful album. It was well made. You were saying how you think maybe Fleetwood Mac in the right environment might be able to make you actually make you cry yeah in the right environment right there i just i felt an inkling when max and when we were just listening to it i felt an inkling of like my teenage very emotional self coming forward and like i could cry from that place i suppose i don't know i didn't and it stopped before it got to the fullness of that feeling but rumors Definitely, it all came over me that uh, it has that power. It was formative at the time when all these formative memories are being made. Maybe if it were um, an LP, like a record of rumors played back to back. Yeah, if we played rumors on a needle turntable and I had a bottle of red wine and a bunch of indica pot, probably we could get me to tears. <laughs> we might be able to move me to tears, yeah. So you you even though you've had a lot of different experiences, it sounds like there's something about yeah, what is it about Fleetwood Mac that, you know, Stevie Nicks and Christine McVie, they can create these such a feeling they just create an emotional tide it just comes over you somehow they wrap around you and just take you with them yeah and they're they seem to be writing very poetically you know it's not like many uh groups that well there's there's lots of different poetry in different groups like grateful dead and mm-hmm. uh but Something about Fleetwood Mac is like a particular kind of maybe nostalgic poetry or yeah, or or pre-nostalgia or something. Yeah, or paranostalgic. It's sort of where emotions are born and built. They're easy and simple and very accessible with Fleetwood Mac's album, at least rumors. I mean, I know it from a girl's point of view of singing it at slumber parties. I don't know how it affected boys. I don't know. I guess I can't say because my exposure to it was kind of personal, just hearing it and not sharing it with others that I guess maybe 
I became a girl inside somehow yeah. with Fleetwood Mac, That's you know, awesome. or like awakened some feminine side. I'm I not sure. The feminine side. Yeah, I'm just curious to know. I'd be I'd be curious to know how like people in my age co- cohort, what guys of my age would say about rumors as opposed to the girls. I wonder if it would be evenly split or if girls are just like tapped into it in a way that guys never hooked in. I just saw them live recently and Oh boy. Wow. Yeah, and they were amazing. I mean, Lindsey Buckingham was on the guitar and was just wailing. I mean, I don't know how old he is now, but it was incredible. He just wouldn't stop. <laughs> Stevie Nicks was there uh, doing her little dance with scarves and stuff, you know. And then she's an older woman now, but she's still like she was saying like I'm still a magic dust woman or something. Mm-hmm. It was just so funny, such a witchy lady. And I thought, yeah, they're really commercial, you know, they're so successful, immensely successful, and yet it's all born out of community living, I think. Yeah, basically it is. It came together because they were all living together and then they wanted to live together because they were making music together. And then they were all like in love with each other at various given times and that fell apart in various ways and reformed and I think they've all been together. Fleetwood Mac might be something that brings communities together in in their all the emotions that go through dysfunction in in these things and I'm, and I'm speaking you know about English and American kind of uh, you know European feeling communities where it seems like oh they're tapping into something that keeps happening in that culture somehow right yeah I would agree <laughs> <laughs> what I what I meant to say about seeing them live was that I was surprised that they still seem to be emoting on stage like they've had some powerful life experiences together and it's not it doesn't feel like just a performance or they're they're fully aware that it is a performance um and yet at the same time they've been able to tap into real experiences the whole time and and i think after the concert in minnesota they'd played like one or more one or one or two more and then they had to delay the tour, cancel the tour. And I was thinking, well, no wonder. Because Lindsay, like, wiped himself out on, like, mm. the first one or two concerts. Oh, wow. That's wild. So they're still going for it raw, huh? That's what it feels like to me. And I, I think I've heard that certain songs of theirs are, you know, messages to each other sometimes. Mm. Like, you can go your own way is one of them saying, you know, you don't have to be attached to me. And another saying, you know... Is Stevie Nicks singing about, well, I am attached to you, so, you know, um, deal with it, kind of, or, mm-hmm. yeah. Oh, it's... yeah, a lot of the songs are about interpersonal stuff in the band. I don't know a lot of the stories anymore. I used to have them all stored up, know every song and who they were about and all that, but I've forgotten more than I'll ever know again. <laughs> but how does it, how does this song make you feel? feel I guess what is what does landslide seem to be about I guess the reason it brought me kind of close to tears right then is it feels like a watershed it feels like well you know I've been afraid of changing and yet you know the landslide brought it down like it just feels like you know natural forces are always going to win out in the end and and be more powerful than all of our desires to change or stay the same. No matter what we do, we're always going to be changing and growing. And, you know, the land is always moving and we can't stop that. And so we've just got to go with it. And it's just the human condition. Wow. Yes. Yes. I feel that. Yeah. Change is the only constant. Oh, yeah, that's also very true. And people who don't like change have a hard time on this planet. (laughs) Yeah, I've become sort of that kind of person, and it is more difficult. I want my squishy bed with my two pillows and my me TV with my coffee maker all set up and ready to rock in the morning. I just, I don't know, I just want it that way. But, you know, that is your nature, too. And maybe there's almost a moment there in the song where it's like, well, I've been afraid of 
not wanting community anymore. Yeah. Maybe, or I'm afraid of settling into a settler feeling instead of uh, this, you know, idealized um, rural living or something. Okay, I see that. Yeah. So uh, anyway, just that's how what land what lands. I don't mean to put words in your mouth, but what landslide means to me is something like that. Also, where do I belong? And and when she says I've built my life around you, you know, that could mean anything. You could apply that to so many things in life. I can relate to so many, you know, just relationships that I've had where I've felt exactly that feeling that, you know, I've known I've got to do some changing and growing, but I'd built my life around somebody and, you know, didn't know what to do exactly. You get stuck in the ruts. Congratulations on getting out of the the bad BF situation in Florida. Why, thank you. It's still kind of a struggle, but it's working out. And uh, is there anything else you want to say about or reminisce about Fleetwood Mac? No, other than to say that I just think of those nights like 2 o'clock a.m. with the turntable going with the headphones on and my parents nonetheless not aware in the very next room that I'm jamming out and crying my eyes out and like just feeling all this stuff. And that's what Fleetwood Mac does. It just makes you feel all this stuff. (laughs) (laughs) Yeah, they're so good at that. Gosh darn it. Yep, that's what they're good at. I've also heard that they changed, you know, when they were doing more bluesy stuff, you know, something more like, I believe my time ain't long. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So that kind of thing, that was, uh, you know, it's, it was before, I guess, uh, Stevie Nicks showed up apparently. And then, People say, oh, well, then it all became about libido and longings and things like that. But I feel that that, that could be true. And there is definitely a generational difference between <laughs> even mm-hmm. even the bluesy era and, and the and the more pop era. Mm-hmm. And yet it's it's not entirely invalid. It doesn't invalidate the mm-hmm. the strong emotions and the feelings or any of it, um, mm-hmm. because love and sex is all tied up in in if the in these dramas aren't about or, sex i don't know what the blues are about it's just all in code words <laughs> exactly right so rock and roll right even that is kind of a sexual innuendo yeah, if, if that's not about rock that's the devil's music for crying out loud right <laughs> <laughs> yeah i guess you know there's it's the difference between like people saying well there's pop and then there's Britney Spears where she's dressing up in mini Fancy skirts. Clothes. Yeah, there's that. There is a difference. Rock and roll, I don't think of Britney Spears, no. I think and I think people would accuse Fleetwood Mac of changing into that, of becoming more like um, but I but I've never seen them do that. And I guess it would have to be the emotional equivalent instead of the visual you know, kind of like, oh, I'm a cute little schoolgirl. You know. Well, you know, it's funny to put them into a context at the time of their uber popularity in the late 70s, you know, they were pretty much the Britney Spears of their time. They dressed pop, they, you know, they had their swanky ways of being and they were high profile. They used limousines and all of that, but somehow they managed to stay still true to themselves in a way that allows people to access them as though they were on the edge still. They didn't, it's like they didn't sell out or something. Somehow or other they managed to achieve all of this like super pop stardom, but were untainted by it in their musicality somehow or other. I mean, I don't think of rumors as a highly produced album that was made for sales. I think it sold high numbers because it was such a well-produced, amazing album. Mm. And there's a very subtle difference there, but it's huge. Yeah, I, I see what you're saying. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And it, 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 it's, it's more impactful. They were just damn good. <laughs> like, yeah, they were just good. That's why they sold so much. And sure, they wore their vampy clothes and they rode around in their limousines and stuff. But, you know, they were had to 
do the whole rock and roll image thing anyway. I mean, it was probably a lot of fun, don't you think? Yeah, I mean, can you can you imagine if Black Bear Ranch, you know, they have a band now, they yeah. have a, or a couple bands going on, and they somehow hit it big because they made a recording. I mean, it'd be pretty funky. They they live in the middle of nowhere. Like they're they're constantly debating whether they should have internet or no internet here. Yeah. Like they don't have a telephone line, as far as I know. You know, so it's like imagine that kind of community, and then suddenly plugging into pop stardom Boom. all of a sudden you're on the modern equivalent of the ed sullivan show whatever the heck that is these days but, yep super stardom it would be totally wild <laughs> how do you manage something like that how do you do it yeah and they've it seems they've somehow managed to i, I guess i don't know you know we're not like super into pop stuff i guess you and i well you weren't even born when it was really happening so there is that part of it like i remember a little bit more about it than but i was never really that much i mean we did not have tv going all the time and you know superstar magazines and stuff like that i gleaned a lot of my you know pop knowledge from you know other girls whose parents let them get tiger beat magazine and stuff i never did but I do remember seeing pictures of, you know, Fleetwood Mac getting out at the Grammy Awards and them being all dolled up and having their super stretch limousines and stuff (laughs) and thinking, huh, I wonder if there's, you know, and then Tusk came out. Yeah, I wasn't a big fan of Tusk, to tell you the truth. I'm not sure what that was all about. Interesting. Yeah, they they seem like some enigma of some kind. I'm glad that that even comes through when you listen to enough of their songs. Music critics would probably have a lot to say about huge famous groups that I talk about on my show. But, um, you know, kind of just having real down-to-earth conversations with about this kind of thing uh, is kind of what the show's about. So thanks for sharing, Sonny. You're quite welcome, Mr. Max. <laughs> okay, take care, everybody. Thanks for listening. Black Bear Ranch is reforming and rebuilding and they are seeking new community members. If you are interested, please give them an email at mistymountainmystics at gmail.com. Next time, we'll talk with someone else. Take care.